Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. Hey, Mike. How's it going today? It is very good, Wen. How are you? <laughs> I'm great, thanks. I'm pretty excited because cool. our new podcast, um, we're getting a little bit of feedback on it now. We've had some comments on the website, on the pages of the show notes. and we Excellent. Had a, we had our first iTunes review. Our first iTunes Isn't review. Isn't Hopefully the first of many. I hope so, too. But um, So we want to give a shout out to Duck and Decker. Thank you so much Duck for leaving and Decker, a, five, right. a five-star review. We got five stars, Mike. Those are those are my favorite kinds of reviews. <laughs> so um, if you do like the show, please consider leaving a review for us, and we'll give you a little shout-out. And if you have any feedback for us, we'd love to hear from you as well. You can find our contact info at othersidepodcast.com slash contact. Sweet. All right. Well, today's going to be fun because we have a special guest, another interview. Mike, why don't you tell us about our uh, guest today? Today, we'll be talking about classic English rock and debutantes <laughs> in the story of Peaches Geldof, who had a tragic short life, but a very, very interesting one with a paranormal twist. And we'll be talking about Okay, ab- I was wondering. Yeah, oh yeah. And we'll be talking about it with the head of MilwaukeeGhosts.com and a paranormal expert who just happens to be my sister, Allison Jornlin. I'm here with my sister, Allison Jornlin from Milwaukee Ghosts. How are you hey, doing? Mike. How are you doing today, Allison? Oh, pretty good, pretty good. Glad to hear from you. That's right. And and we're talking about weird stuff, which is one of our favorite things to talk about. Yes. Yes it is. I think brings back memories, Mike. That's right. Well, being weird is our family business. <laughs> True. So it is our favorite thing to do. Do you want to tell people a little bit about Milwaukee Ghosts and what you do? Yeah, well, I started Milwaukee Ghosts back in, I think it was 2008. It's MilwaukeeGhosts.com. And uh, just like, you know, Mike, you were saying, we we always been interested in the strange and unusual. And, and so I decided, well, you know, we've been reading about things that happen all over the world. Uh, what's been going on? You know, I've always been interested in what's been going on locally and just never knew a way to go about it, to do research and, and find ghost stories and other unusual things uh, for Diana and uh, strange events that went on here in Milwaukee or in Wisconsin. And so that's kind of uh, my mission is is to seek out these these local stories that that connect to maybe other stories that you've heard of uh, on the national stage. Okay, I, 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 that's exciting. That's that's kind of my mission with Madison Ghosts as well. And uh, it's just nice to talk to you and to be able to talk about other weird families in the world here. Yeah. Um, that's people like the Geldofs. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, not not as not as lucky as we are. I mean, uh, you would think to look at them. I mean, they have 
have fame, they have fortune, but they also have just tremendous tragedy, which we, you know, we don't have fame and fortune, but thankfully we also don't have heroin. Don't have heroin and, and don't have these tremendous uh, tragedies that have unfolded over the years. So the Geldofs, an unlucky family, but definitely an interesting one, especially when it comes to the weird stuff. Let's hear about it. Well, um, the most recent news uh, from this weekend, actually, is that uh, Bob Geldof is re-recording um, the Band-Aid uh, song, uh, Do They Know It's Christmas? But he's rewriting the lyrics uh, because this new effort, Band-Aid 30, because it's been 30 years, if you can believe that. So this new oh, God. Effort, yeah, called Band-Aid 30, is to uh, help with the, with the uh, Ebola epidemic that's going on in Africa. Oh, so, so it, it's do they, know, do they know they have Ebola? <laughs> well. We should, give, we should give some, a little background on Bob Geldof for a yeah. second. Because I think a lot of people don't know. I mean, a lot of Americans might not know who Bob Geldof is or, or, or what's the big deal about him. Well, um, I, I'm no music historian. You would know more than, than, than I would know. But, but I do know uh, that he was the, the front man for uh, the Boomtown Rats. Um, which was a very popular band. Uh, his his bi- his biggest hit, uh, I don't like Mondays. That, yes. The Boomtown Rats' biggest hit. I mean, they were kind of a new wavy pop band, uh, and and their biggest hit was I don't like Mondays, uh, which was based around a school shooting in California in the nineteen seventies. Yeah, uh, ni- nineteen seventy nine. Uh, it it was actually a school shooting. By a girl, so, which, which is a little different, and I'd never yeah. even—I'd know—I heard I don't like Mondays before, right? Uh, but I had no idea it was about a school shooting until I—and which is weird because I usually follow up on the history of a song. I'm like, oh, isn't isn't this interesting? Like the first time I realized that Van Halen "Jump" wasn't about jumping up and having a good time; it was about jumping off a building. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, when he's like, go ahead and jump. David Lee Ross said there's always some jerk in the crowd who tells the guy to jump, and that's what the song's about. Uh, so when I, Bob Geldof, I don't like Mondays, it's about a school shooting. That's that, you know, I was just shocked by that. You know, we, we can't write songs about that anymore. Well, and you know, I think, I think Bob Geldof does have a, a social consciousness where he is, you know, he's looking for, for things that, that really speak to him on an emotional level, we didn't think of school shootings as a thing at that time. No, the only person who didn't like Mondays in the 70s was Garfield. And you didn't think he was going to go around and shoot the place up. Right. But then, you know. Maybe for, Odie. Maybe maybe for, Odie. Her response to why she did it is that she, she didn't like Mondays. And then he took that and then made, made that into that very famous song. But as, as a warning to all of the rest of us, or, you know, a social commentary, you look at how many school shootings that have proliferated uh, oh, over yeah. the United States in, in recent years. I mean, it's, it's really telling to see how he, he was able to touch on that and as something to watch out for well, we still, back we, in the 70s. We still have Mondays. Like, we haven't yes. gotten rid of Mondays. Well, like the problems still exist. Yes. Right. To bring it back to Bob Geldof, you know, just to think of him as, as you know, somebody who identified 
that social issue so early on just speaks to his his uh, character and his perceptiveness as an artist. And then uh, he was also, of course, in The Wall, which um, right. which is very, very famous. Uh, wasn't movie. wasn't he, he pink in The Wall? Yes, yes. He so, was the lead character. If you think you don't know Bob Geldof... You do. You, you really do. You really do. You just need to look a little closer. And, and then, of course... His involvement in in Band Aid thirty years ago, which is to recognize, you know, that there are people starving around the world. That you know, you have to do something about it to make the world a better place. Well, I I just think it's interesting. You know, Bob Geldof. <clears throat> when we talk about the na- national conversation through his art and through his charities and stuff, he is really contributing to the national convert the international conversation when it comes to these different kind of events he's put on and the things that he's created uh, with live aid with you know uh, by doing song he definitely has a social consciousness and um, that's probably why he's such a monster so I mean in England he's a big star you know right and he's been knighted he's Sir Bob Gelda Sir right so he's right he's a knight at, you know that's like right. don't forget that that's like, very important like Gawain and Lancelot that's also right. Bob Geldof. Bob. Sir Bob Sir Bob he's uh, trying to raise money to um, to wipe out Ebola in our time and so he's gathered like one direction for example that that's one of uh, the artists participating you know, of the groups participating. And also um, Chris Martin is involved. Just lots of lots of different people. Bono. Well, Chris, um, Chris Martin has to do something to cheer himself up after his conscious uncoupling from Gwyneth. Oh. So he, yeah, so he's got it. He's, he's like, oh, I should probably do this thing with Bob because I'm that's, sad. That's right. Uh, but anyway, so, and, and again, he's watching the news because, uh, this um, I'm looking at uh, the Daily Mail. You got to take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> right, the Daily Mail. That's where uh, I get all of my news. Uh, well, you you, you don't want to get all your news from that, but it's interesting. They have in here some of the specific uh, lyrics about uh, how, you know the rewriting of the song. Sure, like the blood coming out of your eyes and stuff like that. <laughs> well, I don't know if that's in there. I just think it's wonderful that you know he has enough money. That he doesn't really need to do anything uh, for the rest of his life. He could just, you know, veg out and watch TV. You could say uh, you could say that he could step behind a wall. Yes, you could also say that. So yeah, Bob does a lot of nice things, and Live Aid uh, is great, and he's doing it again to help with Ebola. We'll put that in the show notes uh, in case you'd like to buy a copy and you'd like to help out as well. Um, but we really want to talk today about his daughter, Peaches. Um, his daughter with Paula Yates, who, yeah. Uh, yeah, who, I mean, Paula had her own issues and stuff like that. I mean, she, when, when you look at the life of Paula Yates, it seems like she has a, a, a touch of the crazy uh, in her as well. She was a, so she was a UK TV presenter. So think about the MTV presenters back in the 80s, like downtown Julie Brown or just a regular Julie Brown. She's a VJ in England or the UK back in the back in the 1980s, and that's kind of how they got got together. Uh, she, they had three children: um, Little Pixie, Fifi, and Peaches Honey Blossom. Yeah. Are the three kids they had? 
And uh, the thing about the thing about uh, Paula Yates is that um, she left Bob Geldof to be with Michael Hutchins of In Excess after after they they had their three kids together. She left to be with I mean Michael Hutchins from In Excess was pretty sexy. I mean remember the video for the Devil Inside. <laughs> I mean that was a good looking guy, you know. And he's Australian, so he had that kind of bad boy crocodile Dundee thing going on. Oh, the chicks were like, yeah, good day. Um, but then Michael Hutchins obviously uh, had some issues of his own, killed himself in 1997, um, had a daughter with Paula Yates named Tiger Lily. Oh, I did not know all of this. Yes. So Michael Hutchins and Paula Yates had their a daughter named Tiger Lily. So she continues to have the fun names go, you know, Peaches, Honey Blossom, Little Pixie, Fifi. You name the dog Fifi. You don't name your daughter Fifi. Oh, Yeah. Okay, but the thing is, so Paula Yates had issues of her own. Um, she died of a heroin overdose in 2000. So she liked to party and um, killed herself with an overdose. Not, I mean, not a suicide, but she killed herself by doing too much heroin in right. 2000. Here's what a good guy Bob Geldof is. He raises Tiger Lily. Oh. He, he takes Tiger Lily, her daughter with Michael Hutchins, as his own daughter. Uh, after they both pass away. Yeah, well, I don't know. He just seems—he just seems like a guy with a big heart. He's kept a pretty even keel throughout the years, and having to deal with Paula Yates, who sounds like you know she was she was a load of fun. Yeah, well, um, it, you know, and and in rock music, you know that that is a component. That is something that that has been you know part of rock and roll since the beginning. Uh, is is drugs and uh it, it's just sad that you know along with with all these you know great great creations that these artists come up with that they always see all you know most mostly seem dogged by problems with addictions with controlled substances well absolutely i mean that was the the fra- the origin of the phrase cool was jazz musicians talking to each other about uh, whether they smoked marijuana or not. That was the thing. Are you cool? Are you, you know, oh. are you done? So every time the Fonzie talks about something's cool, he's really telling kids to smoke dope. I did not know <laughs> that's, that. That's the Fonzie. Yeah. <laughs> and then you think about how ubiquitous the, the, that phrase is yeah. today. So, I mean, these things really do have a, have a, you know, such an impact on, you know, the la- larger society. And, you know, you really get the, you know, the, creativity of it but you also get all this this baggage this toxic baggage along with it and you know so let's talk about peaches then because peaches you know, honey she, blossom yeah she came she came into this family she you know had all the the benefits but also all the temptations of a life of fame and fortune and um she didn't fare too well well she uh, i mean the thing is i mean so to the Americans listening to the podcast, I mean, they didn't know who Peaches Geldof was. But no. you got to think of her like she was Paris Hilton in the UK. She was no, more like Nicole Richie because Nicole Richie was the daughter of uh, a singer. So you know, like, so Nicole Richie is famous, uh, been famous since she was a kid, famous parents, and lived that kind of socialite debutante life. Right. Absolutely. And um, so it's sad that, you know, last year or actually this year, this year, it's almost uh, 
the year is almost up, but in, right. a- in April, um, she she died of a heroin overdose as well. Um, and and to be only twenty five, and and to die of something like that, you know, have your whole life ahead of you. You know, it's just and it's it's just a sad thing to think of. Uh, you know, someone that young. Uh, dying because of an addiction. Well, and addi- yeah, exactly. And it's even more tragic when they have um, affluence, and then they have uh, they have a life of leisure and pleasure themselves. You know, it, it, we we see it happen with people who are wealthy all the time. And and Peach's Honey Blossom Geldof, unfortunately, was was no different. But why we're talking about her on the show is that imagine if Paris Hilton had like a whole bunch of ghost stories. Imagine if imagine if Nicole Richie had gone off and tried a bunch of different mystical religions. Right. You know? And, and such was Peaches Galdoff. You know, she really had a quite a legacy of trying to find religion. And, and that and that what makes makes her interesting is that, you know, she had a search for meaning and the mystical in her own life. Um Inst- I mean, she was a party girl, obviously, and we'll talk about that. But uh, it's also the fact that she was searching for, for meaning in mysticism in her life and had some ghostly encounters and things like that, that that makes it interesting and extra tragic. The UK, their celebrities, even even their celebrity garbage. I mean, not saying a human is ever garbage, you know what I mean, anyway, speaking of the dead. But even talking about their, even their debutantes are more interesting than ours. <laughs> You know what I right. mean? Like well, Peaches, more, more substance. Right. Peaches was at least looking for something. Um, and she was reading. You yeah. know, maybe she was reading. Uh, some people question, you know, her choice of reading, you know, Aleister Crowley, for example. But, right. But uh, at least she was she was reading. And it, it's sad that, you know, that that couldn't have informed her choices more, uh, you know, to be able to say no to the, the drug that ultimately claimed her life. Well, right, and, and you know, she she was tried to be an artist in her own right. She was working on a debut album in 2010. Everybody's got, you know, everybody has an album uh, because all you got to do is talk or sing a little bit, and then a DJ can put something behind it. So she had, you know, she was trying to be an artist. Uh, she dated she dated the director of Hostel. Oh, e- I didn't know e- that Eli Roth. Yeah, she dated the director of Hostel, and he's also the Bear Jew from Inglorious Bastards. So he acted. He acted something in, in with Brad Pitt as well. Uh, so I mean, she was hanging out with the celebrity scene. Um, probably the most humiliating thing that happened to her was uh, she had a heroin fueled one night stand, um, and the guy talked about it on Reddit. Oh man! So like, uh, had like you know a picture of her in his bed and stuff like that, and he talked and he's like, and then he put it up on Reddit, you know, to try to get his own little. Um, fame about it and that's that was you know a very sad pathetic kind of thing um, but then she became a Scientologist after she met with Katie Holmes yeah so, which is kind of has a interesting connection to you know where we're we're going with this destruct uh, this um discussion but but yeah so Scientology tried that um, which you know is of interest just because of you know the the biofeedback element. Um, if you, you take away all the thetans and all the, the crazier elements of Scientology, you know, the idea of being able to monitor your brain activity and, and try to uh, control your emotions, I mean, that just seems like a good idea. Uh, the only problem is, 
you know, when you get that with Scientology, you also, you know, get this... Uh, you also get jumping on couches, Tom Cruise. Yes, well, you know, jumping on couches, I don't have a problem with that. But I, I do have a problem with um, this legacy of control, which they seem to exert over their followers and their, even their followers' children. Well, I, I, so, yeah, well, I mean, like any church, they have their, they have their skeletons in the closet. Yeah. They have their, th- their thetans in the closet, yes. I should say. But quite, quite a lot. I, and, you know, I think a lot of people, I, and I rip and make fun of Scientology just like anybody else does, but um, I've read Dianetics. You know, so I think if people read Dianetics. Um, the book by L. Ron Hubbard, we should say. That the the book, founder of, of Scientology. And Dianetics is like the first book of Scientology. And when you read it, Di- I mean, Dianetics doesn't seem crazy at all. Dianetics is really an interesting, well-thought, put-together book about making changes in your life. And I can see why a lot of people who struggle with addiction and stuff like that are interested in Scientology because Dianetics kind of finds a way for that. It talks about, you know, defeating and making changes in your life, and it does it in a way that doesn't have that, the 12-step process, you know? So it, it talks about making positive changes in a non-religious way so far, right? And uh, in a in a common sense kind of way, so I can see why people are attracted to Dianetics, and that can lead them further and further to get closer to the operating Thetan level that we all aspire to. <laughs> oh yeah, um, it's only it's only a hundred thousand dollars, and you too can be an operating Thetan. Yeah, could you explain a Thetan, Mike? Well, a, a, a Thetan is your is your soul, basically. It's the it's the uh, it's the Scientologist version of, of the soul. And so we are trying to get towards that. You know, I, I think of it like, you know, I almost think of it in, in Roger's uh, uh, psychology. And, and so there was a, a certain branch of psychology that talks about, you know, your idealized self and your actual self. And the incongruence between those two things is what makes you feel anxiety, what, what's upsetting you in your life. Oh, cognitive so, dissonance. Yes, thank you. I was looking for that, but it's been a while since I thought, you know, went into the realms of psychology, <laughs> into the realms of psychology yes. in my, my mind. Um, but so that, that kind of Rogers philosophy, and, and that's kind of what the, what the Thetans are. Except you get that through different uh, Scientology, different you know Scientological rituals and discussion, like you're talking about the biofeedback and things like that, and you get further and further into Scientology, you get closer to that idealized self, your operating Thetan. Ah, I see. But but doesn't this have to do something with aliens as well? Yeah, or am I just just kind of uh. uh Kind of getting that mixed up with Battlefield Earth. Uh, <laughs> no. That's... Uh, Ron Hubbard's um, other famous work that became an infamous film. Yes. And, and uh, no, the thing is, is there's also the whole idea that our souls are all from another planet and they're all trapped inside this volcano. And that's what you get at the highest level of Scientology is you get the, you get the, sci- you, you get the sci-fi treatment. Oh, we're trapped inside a volcano. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Rem- we can. We'll t- we'll be discussing Scientology. All right, we'll, we'll get into it. I have get into that more later. That's it, a good one. But there is a whole sci-fi aspect to it too. Uh, you know, and which I guess when you talk about um, theologians debating angels dancing on the head of a pin, or right. 
you know, people talking about the war in heaven that happened untold eons ago between uh, Lucifer and God. Right. Um, what what's that different than Zeno and or Zenu and his uh, operating you know army of Thetans? Yes, that, that and are any inside. religious mythology could be you know viewed in that same same light. Right. So, Except, I mean, jo- I mean, Joseph Smith lived 150 years ago, uh, and L. Ron Hubbard was alive, you know, in, in our parents' lifetime and in our part of our lifetime. And uh, the people who worked on the, the books of the Bible and the Old Testament weren't. I mean, that's the big difference. So that, that's why yeah. I say, like, we make fun of Scientologists. But, you, you know, like religion can get you closer to... Um, a spirituality and can help you out. Scientology can do the same thing. And I think that Peaches Geldof was, was looking for that. Right. To, to find, uh, you know, some meaning, as you were saying, and, and to, you know, maybe use what she finds to, you know, make herself a better person. And, and once she got over all of the, um, you know, once she, she got a lot of her partying out of her system, uh, she did get married. And then, right. be, then be, and then converted to Judaism. Uh, she married a singer named Thomas Cohen, uh, who sang in a band called Scum. Yes, very inspirational. S C U M. Scum. So then she tried out Judaism. I mean, and Judaism has its own kind of mysticism, and that's been popular in Hollywood too. Remember, Madonna had went to the Kabbalah Center. Right, Kabbalah. Yeah, that's uh You gave me a book on the Kabbalah, didn't you? Oh, I did. Oh, maybe. You did give me a book on the <laughs> Kabbalah. So she got involved in all this kind of mysticism and uh then eventually last year she got involved in the OTO. What's that about, Allison? Yeah, so that's um the Order Templi Orientis or um the Order of Oriental Templars. Uh and this is an organization that, that started in Germany but um, was soon brought to the U.K. by none other than Uncle Al. Uh, the, the wickedest man in the whole of the world. Yes, Alistair Crowley. Holy moly. It's Alistair Crowley. He, he was a one-of-a-kind individual. I mean, uh, there, he called himself the, the Great Beast and and there's just so many stories about him. Uh, you know, he was an occultist to be sure, uh, and had questionable um, morals, I guess you would say. Or but or, or not quite, just lack of just he, no morals. Let's just say that he had a different set of ethics. You know, yes. kind, of, kind of like we talk about Satanists and stuff. Yes, um, and and he was also very into drugs, uh, unfortunately. Uh, but you know he was an interesting character, quite a, a learned individual. And you know some some people uh, there's whole books about him. There's there's one book that uh, posits that he was actually a spy uh, during World War II, or that he participated um, in uh, bringing down the Nazis with um, with rival occult knowledge. So. And and which really makes sense to because as we know the Nazis were were occultists as well and and so uh, Alistair wanting to defend uh, the UK the empire would, yes would of course use use uh, any weaponry he had in his arsenal which of course 
was occult weaponry. So, uh, you know, his knowledge of occultism, you know, may have been used by uh, the UK's government to, you know, try to at least uh, bring the morale down um, among the Nazis. So I'd like to believe I'd like to believe that they that the allies used Alistair's power. Yeah, well, to bring down the fearsome force of the Third Reich. Well, it's something that you should look into and maybe do a whole episode about that. But anyway, uh, he he again was a you know very learned person, um, but that led him to the occult and also to drugs. And unfortunately, uh, you know, many people think it was. It was uh, Peach's uh, interest in the OTO, which would lead her down the road that would eventually claim her life. Now, well, now the, does, the OTO, just to let people know, so they yeah. do kind of, I mean, that, it's not like Satanism where they use um, these rituals as just symbolism. The OTO straight up believes in magic. That's right. That is spells and rituals in order to bring some kind of some kind of end, accomplish something through actual magic. Like, you know, right. if you were doing something like if you you put an eye of a newt. <laughs> well, I don't know if they did eye of newt, but you put an eye of a newt and like a, a couple of herbs and something like that into a pot, mix it up and drink it, and the next day that something magical happens to you. But these guys do they have different kinds of rituals. Some yeah. of them, some of them sexual in nature and all these yes. kind of, you know, all this kind of stuff the OTO does. Anything um, you might imagine. They're, uh, they're in, as they're far into. As black, black magic, they did it. They love it. So it was very concerning uh, for people when, when uh, Peaches began sporting an OTO tattoo. Uh, she got an OTO uh, tattoo on her right arm, a uh, heart, uh, and then inside the heart were were the letters OTO. Uh, so this this might have been, you know, this is probably her, her next, was probably her next step um, in her religious search. Um, and, and how and, long after the, I mean, it wasn't long after she got that OTO tattoo that she saw a ghost in her selfie. Yeah, so that that's another uh, interesting aspect of, of the whole Peaches Galdaf story. Um, so she was interested in the OTO, which of course is interested in, you know, all things, uh, magic and paranormal. Ooh. And, and then, and then, uh, in December of 2013, she took a selfie of herself and, uh, you know, one of her little children and, uh, she had her, uh, daughter in the bath and, uh, just took a, a selfie uh, of the both of them um, and posted it to Twitter. And for some reason, there was an extra hand in the photo. Yep. A ghostly so, hand right next to her head. Yeah. And and she couldn't account for it. Uh, you can you see these pictures online. I'm sure you'll put them in the show notes mm-hmm. or a link to it in the show notes, Mike. But uh, she uh, posted to Instagram saying that she got a close-up shot of a mystery ghost hand uh, in the, the picture she just took. And she's like, no, is that my hand? Uh, one of mine was around, uh, oh, I said daughter, was, was her, her young son. But uh, uh, the name uh, the name of the child is... 
Estala, though. In the, in, Estala. I thought it was a girl. Sorry. And so here's, a, here's an example, though, of the mirror not completely doing their work. So it says her daughter's Estala, but her response to it is, no, that isn't my hand. One of mine was around his waist to hold him during the photo. Yes. So obviously... Somebody didn't check Somebody didn't check their sources. Yes. Uh, so yeah, this is what we're talking about. You have to watch out with the tabloids in the UK. The grain of salt. Yes. Uh, anyway, so the important part is the picture and that she posted it to Instagram and she, she tweeted about it later. Um, but the gist is that that she was saying, no, that's that's not my hand because one hand was around his waist to hold him up and the other was holding the camera to take the photo. Um, and she she was quite alarmed by that. And it's not his hand either. You can tell, you know, where his shoulder is. Right. If that's uh, his if that's his hand, then there's yeah. something wrong with that so, baby. Yeah, that, that can't be his hand either. <laughs> he doesn't know it's Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Because, uh, yeah, because you see his shoulder right there and his other hand wouldn't go all the way around the back of his head. That would no be that would be too weird. That would be really weird. Um, but anyway, so we don't know whose hand that is. And then, you know, she was quite frightened by that and uh, left left the door open uh, to, to just let some light in because uh, she was afraid that the ghost might come back. But um, then, she said she said she was literally pooping herself. She did in, say that. In her okay. actual, she's like, ah, in, in the Instagram thing. And, and she hashtags it haunted, hashtag ghost. Right. So she's like, I am using, you know, I am pooping myself, hashtag haunted, hashtag ghost. So she's still on the phone. Anyway, she, she said that she did some historical research and found that there had been a wealthy man and his wife that, that had owned um, the building in the 1920s. And um, she became pregnant, this woman, uh, and unfortunately she gave birth to a stillborn baby and just, you know, of course couldn't get over that and uh, ended up drowning herself in the bathtub. So uh, definitely um, Peaches thought that was a connection, that that was the the, the hand of this uh, mother um, just wanting to wanting to maybe touch the baby, wanting to um, to be a mother again. She said so. maybe maybe she's making her presence known because she loves having the babies around. I hope so. She said that on her uh, her social media. Yeah. And maybe, you know, cause she was getting into the OTO at the time, and uh, she even carried around Alastair Crowley's book, The Diary of a Drug Fiend. And she, right. she would, ta- you know, she was taking Instagram pictures of his books while she while she was traveling, and um, you know maybe the ghost reached out to her because she was closer to the you know closer to the dark side there by head messing and becoming part of the OTO and, and getting really into it. Well, you know the it's just just so sad to think of the title of that book, you know, Diary of a Drug Fiend, and then how she she had been clean for a while. Um, and then in April of this year, um, you know, had gotten back into uh, heroin, uh, even with the kids in the house. Uh, and then that that's what eventually would claim her life. Uh, so, I mean, that's it, it, I mean, it's fine to read Aleister Crowley for esoteric ideas. Um, but 
it's not a good idea to uh, emulate the man's life. Because- yeah, following his footsteps uh, because he he would you know die die an impoverished drug addict and you know that's that's not the way that we want to go in life well if you think of maybe right and think about someone you know closer to even to madison someone like chris farley um who his idol was uh john belushi right so we got to be careful who we idolize right because he went out like john belushi like so he he wanted to be him so bad that he died like him yeah we might um become more like them than we thought possible and more than we would want in our in our saner moments but then you know after after her death um it's funny just watching um watching the uh bulletin boards for like above top secret or um david ike's uh websites oh we talked we talked a lot about david ike david ike yeah and how and how they just kind of descended on this and as as you know kind of the the, the OTO claimed her or it, it was because of the OTO that she died uh, and it, it's just you know so so we have just the people on the fringe on on, on a couple of different sides of it the idea that you know she was somehow an Illuminati princess and you know she got too close to the flame uh and or or that the OTO killed her that was also something that that uh, online people uh were uh talking about quite a lot so i mean these things don't seem to have a basis in reality in, in my mind but it's quite interesting to see people's reaction well you know her final interview she did have a premonition that she would die like her mother Oh. So she did talk about that she's that uh, she would go out, she would die in the same way as her mother. So um, whether that could be she just had, you know, realizing she was having heroin problems and that once that she played, once she played with the fire and she could no longer handle it. Um, but she admitted herself that uh, she had a, f- a final premonition. Wow, and one wonders if she just would have stayed with Scientology, uh, if she would have yeah. been all right. Because it, it's interesting uh, to note that um, before uh, L. Ron Hubbard uh, started his own thing, he was part of the OTO as well, um, and then left the OTO to um, begin his own religion. That's right. So maybe if she had just stuck. With Scientology and Peaches would have been yeah, still here well, today. You know, the interesting thing about uh, the OTO that we didn't mention is that L. Ron Hubbard, the founder of Scientology, was once a member of the OTO as well. Uh, then he, you know, had a um, a very definitive break with them. Let's say you'll, you'll have to you'll have to talk about that on a future show. Uh, oh yeah, L. Ron L. Ron Hubbard. Involved with the OT. I mean, that's L. Ron Hubbard, Alistair Crowley, Scientology. The one good thing you can say about Scientology is they've always been very anti-drug. They seem to have this uh, anti-drug stance. So, you know, uh, one wishes that, you know, Peaches Geldof would have just, you know, found some meaning there. And, you know, it just pains me. If you look online, you can even see a a picture of her, her coffin. And on her coffin is is uh, uh, an image of her 
and her husband and their two dogs and a cat and their two children. And just to, you know, see that on the coffin and to think, you know, of, of the life that they were having and they could have continued. And so obviously she loved her children, but to, you know, the, the, the pull of that drug was just so much that, you know, she did it in the house when they were there with her. And, you know, they could have gotten hurt too because, you know, she, she died and they were left alone for many hours. She knew she was going to die. I mean, the fact that she knew she was going to die. Right. That- and she had that premonition, which, which could have, you know, if you have a premonition, you can do something about it. You know, it doesn't have to be a self-fulfilling prophecy, uh, but that she didn't. She just went into it. You could have a, a beautiful life like Peaches had and just, you know, have that end just way too quickly. So the uh, absolutely. So so she knew she was gonna die, and she had ghostly encounters in her home, and uh, then then she went on April first of this year, and it was no joke, you know, no April Fool's Day for her, and so that's the short life and tragic death of Peaches Geldof, a woman who was looking for answers and unfortunately ended up with the wrong ones. Well, Allison, it's been a delight to talk to you today. Thank you for stopping by. See you on the other side. I always love talking to you, Mike. You know that. And you're welcome anytime. And so for people that want to find you online, where can they find you and more information about your paranormal adventures? Okay, well, please visit me at milwaukeeghosts.com. Or you can also uh, find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash paranormalmke. Fantastic. Thanks a lot, Allison, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye, Mike. Well, that was great. And if you're interested in the link to Allison's website and a little more information about what Mike and Allison talked about today, it's on othersidepodcast.com slash eight, where we'll also have the lyrics in an MP3 for today's song, which Mike, can you tell us about it? You bet. Well, this is just a song dedicated to people like Peaches, dedicated to like people, uh, Kim Kardashian or... uh, Paris Hilton or Nicole Richie. This is Sunspot doing Who Cries for the Rich Girl.
for listening to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side.